Bam 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 everybody <laughs> welcome back to go help yourself a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck more less. i'm lisa linky that's misty stennett sitting there looking cool as a cucumber in her prescription sunglasses i'm wearing prescription sunglasses all my glasses are prescription um lisa becomes a blob of blurriness if i don't have them on but i left my regular glasses in the car i'm not wearing glasses right now and you aren't a blob of blurriness but you are wow humble Lauren, brag much you are lauren hutton um vanessa redgrave thank you like uh hazy i accept all of those um and this if you're not familiar welcome and to if, a podcast that's going to change your life and um, if you are familiar here come the we spiel hope you love the spiel <laughs> at the top of each episode we hope it gives you routine familiarity structure comfort except that i never do it right and misty has to save me here it comes. i would challenge that narrative here it comes. let's see how you do okay so what this is <laughs> it's going well <laughs> is, um each week this is a full frontal friday full frontal friday full frontal friday on go help yourself this is a full frontal friday episode meaning that we are going to rate and review and talk about uh, a popular self-help book and mm-hmm. um we're going to tell you our likes that's misty our dislikes that's me oh this is misty stinnett and i, I am misty lisa stinnett um and see i've already fucked it up you're nailing <laughs> we it also you're, you are charming here here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome no, no, no. back to Go. Stop okay, it. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's right. That's right. Here we go. Keep going. We'll fix it in post. Uh, this is um, this is a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. We read and rate and review a popular self-help book each week so that you don't have to because you're busy. you got stuff to do. Um, and you can still glean all of the cool nuggets of information um, mm-hmm. at, that people have been begging you to get better at. Yeah. So if you like what you're hearing, you can go, go buy, buy the, the book, book and support the author because if you... Uh, Anytime we have an episode where we're like, we love this. There's so much information here. There's always ten times as much yeah, information I mean, my God, in the you book. Guys, we're not magicians. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I pull out a deck of cards and a dove flies out of my pants. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we can't cover everything. And also, um, if you don't like the book, you're welcome. We just saved you time and sense. Get it? Oh, uh, common sense. You're Thank welcome. You. Um, so that's kind of it. Wait, I'm sorry. Is there not a finance book called Common Sense? C E N T S. There must be. Oh, there I mean, must there be. must. There be. must be. There must be. There must be. Anyway, so the point is, you're gonna sound super fucking well read at parties. <laughs> you're welcome. And your aunt Betsy, who's been like, I gave you the secret months ago. You can finally be like, I know what it's all about. Thank yeah. you. And so this week, I'm super excited to continue the intermittent finance series. Listen, you guys, finance. We read two books, and then Misty and is, I kept calling it a finance series. And Misty is hell bent on reading every finance book i really i love them you do, but i don't want to do them all the time i fucking hate them yeah she does she does but um i i want to be honest with you about uh what's going on with me today can't find my wallet so this is uh <laughs> so this book sucks yeah but i remember i had it at the gas station on friday night so like i'm hoping it's under the seat in my car Uh-oh. have you checked online to see if there have been any charges on your credit card I didn't realize I was like missing it, missing it till today. I was like, it must be on my dresser at home. Do you not have the app like it's loaded on your phone that tells you when a charge happens? Uh, I mean, my no, no. Oh, my card is very good about like my cards are like no. I'm sure it's there. I'm sure it's it's fine. 
It's going to be fine. Okay, here we go. We're jumping in. I want you to know that for once, Mm. I feel much more financially informed than mistake. Okay, great. Thank you. And I didn't read three more books. The only thing I need to get informed about is where the fuck my wallet is. Uh, No, that's a lie. I need to learn a lot more. Okay, passive-aggressive LaCroix sipping. And that's the tea. Okay, we are diving in because this is a comprehensive book overview. Oh, God. Dear readers, listeners, friends. Friends. Colleagues. Colleagues. Haters. Haters. This week's book is the New York Times bestseller, Your Money or Your Life. I choose my life. Thank you. Nine Steps to Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Achieving Financial Independence. Fully revised and updated for 2018 by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez with a foreword by Mr. Money Mustache. Excuse me? Yeah, I fucking hate that. And they keep calling, like, let me show you, hold on, let me show you the cover because they keep, like, Mr. Right. it just seems like it immediately discredits it's the It's for bo- kids. Yeah, yeah, there's play money. It's like Monopoly. Hold on, let me show you that. Oh my God, you guys. I, I hope, okay, if if you, first of all, if you were into it by the, okay, so I'm going to okay. describe this book. It's a lovely paperback. It's got a nice bright canary yellow uh-huh. and in uh, big bold letters it says your money or your life and uh Money and Life is in blue and the rest is in white. Um, and then, um, you know, it's all caps like this. Fully revised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the very bottom it says, forward by Mr. Money Mustache. It's true. It does Which I that. think for people who know who Mr. Money Mustache is, maybe that comes with more gravitas. Uh, but for me, it Mr. just Money sounds... Mustache? I, who, he's like some kind of blogger, some kind of... Fine. I, I can't... Who can care? But listen, if you are going to be a anonymous blogger about money, I need to be able to Oh, no, I think, I think he's got a name... It's just like, why would you not say? This is a wonderful book, period. It can really change your life, period. Oprah Winfrey. Great. Because Oprah needs to reform her finances. Okay. So um, I just want to give a shout out to my friend Matt for recommending this to me. Thank you, Matt. This is one of the most popular. Like money books. It is. We were doing our two-part financial series. Yeah, I it was between this and Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, and I chose Dave Ramsey. And Hope now you enjoyed the car. Hope you enjoyed the book. Okay, ready? So the hardcover, there is no hardcover that I could find. Thank you. The paperback is sixteen dollars and twenty cents. Mm-hmm. Kindle thirteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Audiobook nineteen dollars and sixty cents. And on the Overdrive app, it's free, but it's a long wait. So I actually put in a request for this book like two months ago. It still didn't become available, and I wanted to read it, so I bought the paperback. And then I found that uh, my I was just traveling and a lot was going on, and so I ended up buying the audiobook as well. Oh, so people so, can write in, and we'll send you this this paper. You're copy. welcome, Vicky Robin and also, Joe Dominguez. After Money those Mustache. prices, I choose my life. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. So about the author, so uh, the authors. So this was written by Joe Dominguez and Vicky Robin, and my understanding is that Joe Dominguez was really the architect behind. Um, the steps and the sort of nitty gritty of mm-hmm. this financial philosophy. And Vicky's the sparkling personality. Yeah, no, seriously, okay. she is, and they were, <laughs> and they were, they were partners, and um, they they wrote the book together based on Joe's philosophies. Um, but Joe died in 1997, mm-hmm. so Vicky has really become like the face and voice of this book. So she really is. Um, that's why her name is so big on the book, Vicky Robin, and then Joe Dominguez's underneath it. So Joe Dominguez was a successful financial analyst on Wall Street before retiring at the age of 31, never again to accept money for any of his work. 
That's Lisa's face. Misty's face was all like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, because I wanted to see what you would say. If he died in 97, yeah. he made a lot of money before a lot of crashes. Uh, yeah, and also, we'll get to this, but he put a ton of his money in bonds when bonds had a, a rate of, High rates. of like 15%. So it yeah. was this really sort of he had a great anomaly. Opportunity. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But we'll we'll talk about that and address it. So... Uh, we're going to get into Vicky's biography, but uh, this is from her website, VickyRobin.com. Vicky Robin is a prolific social innovator, writer, and speaker. Yeah. She is co-author with Joe Dominguez of the international bestseller, Your Money or Your Life, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Achieving Financial Independence. It was originally published in 1992, again in 98, again in 2008, and then the um, fully revised edition is 2018. Someone really liked to do a reprint. Yeah. Well, I do think like in 2008, it's like there was that crash, and then 2018, so much has changed. So I'm very glad that they – you do need to update finance books. Ramit yeah. Sadie did it too with I Will Teach You to Be Rich. So it was an instant New York Times bestseller in 92 and steadily appeared on the Business Week bestseller list from 92 to 97. Huzzah. It is, av- it is available now in 11 languages. Called by the New York Times as the, quote, profit of consumption downsizers, end quote, Vicky has lectured widely and appeared on hundreds of radio and television shows, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, Good Morning America, and National Public Radio's Weekend Edition and Morning Edition. She has also been featured in hundreds of magazines. Born in Oklahoma in 1945. Oh, Oklahoma, where the wind goes sweeping down the plains. Your money or your life. (laughs) And hey. um, (laughs) (laughs) What? That's what I think of when I think of Oklahoma, like bales of hay. Might not be right. Might not be right. So Vicky, Vicky grew up on Long Island and graduated cum laude from Brown University in 1967. Thank you. She received awards from Co-op America and Sustainable Northwest for her pioneering work on sustainable living. Vicky's, Vicky's is one of 61 visionaries featured in Utna Magazine's book, Visionaries, People and Ideas to Change Your Life. I don't know what that is. A&E Entertainment Show Biography honored Vicky as one of 10 exceptional Seattle citizens. She currently lives on Whidbey Island in Puget Sound. In her own words, Vicky says... In my 20s, I lived in several rural communities, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, the coldest part of the lower 48, and Florence, Arizona, one of the hottest, and this gives you a clue about my approach. I call sustainability an extreme sport. I think it's cool to get into a hot issue by living the solution, not just conjecturing. My first book, Your Money or Your Life, came out of living as much by my wits and as little by money as I could. I wanted to question our dependency on money and on buying stuff. My partner, Joe Dominguez, developed a systematic way to spend less, earn more, save like a demon, and get out of, quote, making a dying, end quote, with enough years left to enjoy life. I see what he did there. Thank you. Together we wrote the book, which ended up selling a million copies around the world. So that's that's from her website. So she's advocating buying less stuff and made her living by having people buy her stuff. That's not right. So it is, (laughs) but we'll get into it. So the book's 368 pages and the audio book is 11 hours and 21 minutes long. So what you're going to hear in this review is really just skimming the surface, but I'm hoping it will be a value. I thank you. Okay, great. So when I first picked it up, like I said, I started reading the paperback and then I switched to the audiobook. I was really surprised by the casual conversational style of writing. 
it's very like, what are we all thinking? You know, it's it's very, I liked it. Okay. I liked it. As for the audiobook, Vicky reads it in her own voice, and her voice is not the most pleasant in the world. What are you talking about? No, no, no. It's a, it's a little more like a little shaky and like sort of, <laughs> sort of like that. Um, but I did enjoy hearing the words in her own inflection. Ah. So that was cool. It added an offbeat perspective to the whole experience. Why do we buy stuff? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So to get into the book summary, the entire premise of this book is to change your relationship to money so that you can become financially independent from the need to work for money. The whole point is financial independence from the need to work. Great. So it's similar to Robert T. Uh, uh, Kai, Kai, is it Kayashi? I can't remember. Kayasaki. Uh, I thought. From well, what was the name? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that rich people don't work for money. Uh, I guess, I guess so. I mean, they felt like wildly different books. For sure. Yeah. But that was but one of his lessons. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Y- yeah, I think so. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, a lot of this is uh, from yourmoneyoryourlife.com. They have a really great comprehensive summary on there and tools, which is awesome. Um, so, what they say is, many books on money are available today. What these books have in common is that they assume your financial life functions separately from the rest of your life. This book is about putting it all back together. It is about integration, a whole systems approach to your life. It will take you back to basics, the basics of making your spending and hopefully your saving of money into a clear mirror of your life's values and purpose. It is about the most basic of freedoms, the freedom to think for yourself. I love that. I do too. I have a question before yeah. we begin yeah. to save us a lot of time. Please. Do they address intersectionality? Do they address systemic uh, uh, cultural oppressions? And do they address things like the rising cost of healthcare and what is actually keeping people bankrupt? Um, they do talk about things like healthcare and rising and things like that, but this is actually not. No, they don't. Okay, they don't. So I'm gonna just but say now. Yeah. I have a problem. Yes. And I'm going to say that and not yes. talk about it the rest of this so we okay, can get great. through it. Okay, great. But this, is, this isn't this is saying like, where whereas uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People was like, here's how you negotiate a raise. And we're like, that doesn't apply to everyone because racism and sexism and misogyny, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is, this does not have things like that in it. This is like, here's how you can take what you do have and make sure that you're spending and saving according to your own values. Still. Yeah. Not acknowledging that we're not all on a level playing field. No. They never, they, Great. no. Great. She and Joe never say that, which Great. is interesting because they did update it for 2018. Okay. We'll get into it. But, but do jump in if you're like, no, this does I not just want to say that as a blanket statement, yeah. which is my problem with every finance of course, book. Of course. So the first, yeah, absolutely. The first part of the book, um, it gets into all the philosophy, the old roadmap for money. Here's a new roadmap for money. Here's sort of the playing field we've all been, the game we've all been playing and mm-hmm. why it's broken. So the old racism. Thank you. The old roadmap for money. The old roadmap for money has been traditionally this nine to five until you're 65, pushing for a higher standard of living, regardless of moral, ethical, emotional, cultural, spiritual, marital, environmental or political consequences. And it delivered, but only as long as people really needed more material possessions. When we were not taking our identity from our jobs, we are identified as consumers. According to the dictionary, to consume is to, quote, destroy, squander, use up. 
end quote. We consider shopping to be recreation, so we shop till we drop. We want a good future for our kids, so we work harder to become a two-income family and delegate raising the kids to daycare centers or nannies. We buy them the newest toys to prove our love. We are spending so much of our precious time earning in order to spend what we don't have the time to examine our priorities. Our old financial map, instead of making us more independent, fulfilled individuals, has led us to a web of financial dependencies. From birth to death, we have become financially dependent on our parents for our first financial sustenance, on the economy in order to get a good job, and on the job for our survival, on unemployment for handouts to tide us over between jobs, on our pension to pay our way in old age, and on Medicare if we get sick before we die. The material progress that was supposed to free us has left us more enslaved. For many people in the last half— I do not like the use word uh, enslaved. I don't either. Keep going. I don't either. Yeah, it's bold. For many people in the last half century, material possessions went from fulfilling needs to enhancing comfort and luxury, which Mm -hmm. is something we've talked about, Mm -hmm. and even beyond to excess. Unlike the past, problems began to emerge that could not be solved by providing more material goods. The planet itself began showing signs of nearing its capacity to handle the results of our economic growth and consumerism. Water shortages, topsoil loss, global warming, ozone holes, species extinction, etc., Um, These are all signs that our survival is in question. Vicky says that everything we consume comes from the earth. So all those new phones and TVs and couches and cars are all using up the earth's resources faster than they can be replenished. And she does cite things throughout the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really liked this because I haven't thought enough about how every single purchase I make affects the environment. You know, it's like anytime there's an Amazon Prime Day and it's like you can get a TV and a soundbar for $500. Don't shop Prime Day. It's terrible on everything. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, somebody had to mine that from the earth and make this metal and make these LED screens and all. And And then people had to work terrible shifts to get it to you overnight. And then the the infrastructure in our country partly is suffering because— yes. We, I need a package of Oreos overnight. John Oliver did a great piece about Amazon Prime. Right, right, and the carbon footprint, et cetera. So it's, it's like terrible. every single – I, you know, for for me, this felt like a, a great way to look at consuming because a lot of it was like, well, I don't want to spend money and I don't want to contribute to fast fashion. But when you zoom out – when I zoom out further, let me, me take responsibility for this statement. I'm going, no, I don't want to hurt the environment. And, and if me – you know, upgrading my iPhone every time a new one comes out, which I do not do, but all of my friends do, that's really hurting the earth. And so I think if you are somebody who's like, I want to get out of the consumerism cycle, but I don't know how, thinking about it in this new way as how does it relate to global warming and how how can we make changes in our behavior to help the environment, I thought was very fucking cool. Yeah. So we are, uh, in the next chapter, creating a new a new roadmap, financially independent thinking. I'm also down for a nude roadmap. A nude roadmap. Um, and I am now nude for the rest of this podcast. Woo. So creating a new roadmap for money requires thinking in new ways. One of the keys to creating your new roadmap is what the authors call financially independent or FI thinking. Fi. 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 What is that from? Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Great. We can also say fee. Fee. We are the knights who say fee. <laughs> this is the process. That's all my Monty Python fans out there. Shut mm-hmm. up. This is the process of examining those basic assumptions that you have unconsciously adopted. Sure. So financial. Like I need a new iPhone every time one is released. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm feeling bad, so I'm going to go buy myself a new pair of shoes or no. whatever. So financial intelligence. In order to gain financial intelligence, you first need to know how much money you already have earned, what you have to show for it, how much is coming into your life, 
and how much is going out. So these are basic things, but it's what so many of us do not do. What are you doing with your eyebrows right now? I mean, I, 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 I'm <laughs> feeling, <laughs> I'm having a reaction. Okay. I don't think what they're saying is wrong, but I also feel like it's just a different spin on the same game. Yes and no. Okay. Right? So this is, so what they do is they, they first start talking about, here's. And I just have to say, seeing you do this in your risky business sunglasses is my favorite thing thank ever. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was going to make a joke about uh, being in underwear like Tom Cruise. I'm going to stop talking about you my did naked body. Underwear. I know. I know. I'm good. Okay. So they talk about like, what's the current Western philosophy? Yeah. How did we get here? Yeah. Here's a new way to think about it, but here are the tools you need first, and then we really get into this new way of thinking. I get that. Right. I think just that like, what are you making? This and this. How, I don't no, know. No, no, no. It's actually a different approach, which All you're right. about to hear. All right. So um, we're, just, we're just defining a couple things. So that's financial intelligence um you she says it's not enough to just have those basic building blocks you need to know what money really is and what you are trading for the money in your life <laughs> okay what is my what money what is money really is so the way they define it in the book mm-hmm. is it's the thing that you trade your life energy for oh boo. no no lisa get on board okay listen financial integrity Woo-hoo. financial integrity is achieved <laughs> By learning the true impact of your earning and spending, both on your immediate family and on the planet. It is knowing what is enough money and material goods to keep you at the peak of fulfillment and what is just excess and clutter. We will talk about that further. Financial independence is defined as having an income sufficient for your basic needs and comforts from a source other than paid employment. So that's the goal is to get to financial independence. It is From a all- source other than paid employment. Other than paid employment. So they want you to have assets – Right. So they are rich dad, poor dad. A little bit. Mm -hmm. It is also independence from crippling financial beliefs, from crippling debt, and from a crippling inability to manage modern conveniences, from from repairing your car to fixing your central heating. Financial independence is an experience of freedom at a psychological level. You are free of the guilt, resentment, envy, frustration, and despair you have felt about money issues. Financial independence has nothing to do with rich. Financial independence is the experience of having enough and then some. The old notion of financial independence as being rich forever is not achievable, but enough is. Enough for you may be different from enough from your neighbor, but it will be a figure that is real for you and within your reach. By the way, Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez, when they reached financial independence in like the 70s, the 60s or 70s, they lived on $800 a month each and every seminar and book and everything they've sold, they've said they've given away every single penny and they just work. They just live on $800 I month. don't. I don't question their integrity. Mm-hmm. I don't question their ability to do what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I question and challenge their assumption that the world works the same for everybody. Well, yes, we're not there yet. It doesn't work the same for everybody. It doesn't. Of course. Of course. So we will take what we can from this book. That's my Misty. Okay. That's my Misty and she great. And that's Melissa and I love you. And I'm already over here writing a placard. Okay. So now we're getting into changing our financial assumptions, yeah. right? So making a living versus making a dying. Vicky Ooh. asks, Vicky asks, 
Where's all the life we supposedly made at work? Where's all the life we supposedly made at work? Yeah. For many of us, isn't the truth closer to making a dying? Aren't we killing ourselves, our health, our relationships, Hmm. our sense of joy and wonder for our jobs? We are sacrificing our lives for money, but it's happening so slowly we barely notice. Eventually, we may have all the comforts and even luxuries we could ever want, but inertia itself keeps us locked into the nine-to-five pattern. What about people who like their jobs? She'll, she'll do that, too. Okay. She covers that, too. So she cites psychotherapist Douglas LeBeer and his book Modern Madness, which found that focusing on money, position, and success at the expense of personal fulfillment and meaning had led 60% of his sample of several hundred to suffer from depression, anxiety, and other job-related disorders, including the ubiquitous stress. So the beginning of a new roadmap for money. There is a word that provides the basis for transforming your relationship with money. It's a word we use every day, yet we are practically incapable of recognizing it when it's staring us in the face. That word is fuck it. That word is enough. Oh. Enough for our survival. Enough comforts and even enough little luxuries. We have everything we need when we have enough. There's nothing extra to weigh us down. It's appreciating and fully enjoying what money brings into your life and yet never purchasing anything that isn't needed or wanted. So what's all that stuff beyond enough? It's whatever you have that doesn't serve you, yet takes up space in your world. Your world. Clutter. To let go of clutter, then, is not deprivation. It's lightening up and opening space for something new to happen. Enough is a wide and stable plateau. It is a place of alertness, creativity, and freedom, rather than a place of being suffocated under a mountain of clutter that must be stored, cleaned, moved, gotten rid of, and paid for on time. Okay. And she does address the life-changing magic of tidying up, which... She says, is all great, it's wonderful, but it still is just focusing on stuff and not, like, the philosophy behind, like, only bringing things into your life that bring you – that are in line with your values, basically. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to keep going. So there are nine steps, as promised, to create a new roadmap for money. Here are the steps. number one. Yep. She says these steps are simple, common-sense practices, and it is absolutely necessary that you diligently do every step. Of course. The steps build on each other, creating the magic part of synergy. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You may not see this effect until you have been following the steps for a number of months. Mm -hmm. Lisa, you are not—you're not here for it. No. You're not. Okay. Step one, making peace with the past. The purpose of this exercise is to increase your awareness. It serves to locate you in time and space and review your earning and spending activity in the past. So you ask yourself, how much have you earned in your life? Find out your total lifetime earnings, the sum total of your gross income from the first cent you ever earned to your most recent paycheck. Here's how. Like from my allowance? Yes. All of it. Okay. Which is, sounds very daunting. So here's how. She says uh, you can contact the Social Security Administration yep. if you're in America and you can file if a request for— you're a documented for, worker. Right. You can to, to file a request <laughs> for a statement of earnings. Mm-hmm. You can get copies of your federal or state tax returns, paycheck stubs, employer's records, or just do your best to estimate. Just go through and just think about it, including— like undocumented earnings you've had from that side hustle or you were paid to mow somebody's lawn in high school or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, or you were underpaid because you were not a documented worker. That's right. Mm-hmm. So the why is it gives a clear picture of how powerful you are at bringing money into your life. It eliminates vagueness or self-delusion in this area. So if you're like, oh, I don't make enough money or I make a ton of money, your 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 beliefs might be 
validated. corrected or validated. Yeah. So it just eliminates. You're like, oh, man, I've earned $300,000 you know, since I've been working or I've earned way less than that. So it's just going to help you get a clear and accurate picture. Okay. She also says it's, it instills confidence and it facilitates goal setting. So the whole point is you're going like, OK, I've got this number to work with. This is no longer a vagary. So the next thing you do is you ask yourself, what have you got to show for it? So you find out your net worth based on this entire sum number by creating a personal balance sheet of assets and liabilities, everything you own and everything you owe. So here's how. List and give a current market value to everything you own. List everything you owe. Deduct your liabilities from your assets to get your net worth, right? Pretty simple. But why? You can never know what is enough if you don't know what you already have. So you might find that there are a lot of material possessions that are not bringing you fulfillment and you might want to convert them to cash. So in this step, she also has you like rate how much you use that thing or enjoy that thing or has it just been sitting there. So you're really getting this whole picture of like, oh, man, I've made $100,000 in my lifetime. I, my net worth is only $3,000, and what have I got to show for it? An attic full of stuff I don't use, right? So this is meant to give you a picture um, of that. So remember, she says this all throughout the book, no shame, no blame. So just so I'm understanding, yeah. her, her, she's, she is saying no shame, no blame. Yeah. She's saying if you value that asset mm-hmm. more than you would value it as cash, keep it. Yeah. So like if you're using this, if you are going like, oh, my God, I bought all that camping gear and I haven't been camping once or like I never go. Oh, and now that you have this accurate picture of what you owe and what you don't, you might go, I'm going to sell all that to help pay down my debt. It's it's just the point of of taking stock. That's all we're doing is taking stock. Got it. So um, she says, in creating your balance sheet, many feelings associated with your material universe may arise. Sadness, grief, nostalgia, hope, guilt, shame, embarrassment, anger. Any dispassion, oh, a, a dispassionate and compassionate attitude can go a long way toward making this step truly enlightening and making you able to lighten the physical and emotional loads you've been toting around for years. So it's just... Ideally, I'm, a holy shit moment of like, okay. I'm, I'm going to take her advice and mm-hmm. I'm going to continue the rest of this okay. with a dispassionate and compassionate attitude. Thank you, Lisa. I'm dispassionate about what she's uh, projecting. Okay, great. And I'm compassionate towards the people that are being completely excluded. Great. Step two, being in the present. Oh, that Although, was just step one? That was step one. I would say, though, that anybody at any level can do this. 100%. But she's not acknowledging at all. Say a couple, say an interracial couple is doing this. Right. When they do this side by side, what happens when they recognize that one of them makes significantly more money simply because or that one of them – when you think about – fine – even just this, I'm going to say this because I can't not. Just say it, girl. You know, there are some states that are just now finally getting rid of the the feminine hygiene tax. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but. (laughs) Think of what I've had to pay over my lifetime simply because of a biological function I have that I have no control over. Yeah. And states have, and, or, or the pink tax. tax Or the pink tax that, that products marketed towards women and girls are, Priced higher than yeah. towards men. Yeah. This kind of shit is not even accounted for in this. Well, it's it's not, but she does say, I mean, she, I'm going to push back a little because she really does say, and remember, this is my summary, right? Yep. She's like, things are going to arise. 
you know, she does talk about like different partnerships and uh, she doesn't specifically say like interracial or like any systematic forms of oppression, but she's not saying you've made this money because of this. And I'm assuming that she's just saying if anything comes up, grief, sadness, anger about what's happened to you, just sit with it. It's just to get a picture. I'm not saying that she's wrong in that. What I am saying is that this concept of enough based on what you earn and what you have Mm. Yeah. It's not yes. adequate. It's not equal. It's not fair. Right. It's right. steeped in oppressive systems yes. based on racism and, and right. sexual so people oppression. Have, people who don't have enough, right? That is absolutely true. That's absolutely yeah. true. So what is enough for a white man is going to be vastly different than what is enough for a person of color. She's who's not disabled. talking about the amount of money that you make. I, what I'm saying is what the what it sounds like she's setting up the amount of money that you've made. Right? Yeah. And what you can live on, what you're not working for or dying for. No, 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 no. We'll get there. Right. We will get there to enough. I don't want, I don't want, let's. Well, based on the summary that you gave me of the book, like yeah. what it is. Enough is not, yeah. Uh, yes. But we'll, let's get there and see if you still have these these questions. I'm, I'm telling you I will. Okay, great. <laughs> Step two, being in the present, mm-hmm. tracking your life energy. Money is something we choose to trade our life energy for. Our life energy is our allotment of time here on earth, the hours of precious life available to us. When we go to our jobs, we are trading our life energy for money. Our life energy is precious because it is limited and irretrievable and because our choices about how we use it express the meaning and purpose of our time here on earth. This is really the crux of this philosophy in this book, and I love thinking about um what I'm doing in my job and my goals this way. This is how I'm spending my time. I yes, it is a privilege to do so. It is. Yes. It absolutely it absolutely is. But she she talks about if you hate your job and how to like address that. She's not saying everybody like has to go get a great job. Yeah, or can. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows that. Yeah. And she addresses it. So A of step A of step two <laughs> is how much you ask yourself, how much are you trading your life energy for? Establish the actual cost in time and money required to maintain your job and commute compute your real hourly wage. Okay. Here's how. Deduct from your weekly income the cost of getting to and from work, the cost of the clothes you buy to wear to work, the extra cost of at-work meals, the amount spent to relax and wind down after the stress of a workday, job-related illness, and all other expenses associated with maintaining you on the job. Add to your work week the hours spent in preparing yourself for work. For women, we're going to have a half hour every day doing our hair and makeup or whatever. Your uh, time traveling to and from work, the time taken to wind down at home after work, recreation need after work as a means to winding down, shopping to make you feel better since your job feels lousy, and all other hours linked with maintaining your job. So divide the new reduced weekly dollar figure by the new increased weekly hourly figure. Sure. This is your real hourly wage. So individuals with variable incomes can get creative. You can take monthly averages, a typical week, or whatever works for you if you're freelance. So why do we do this? The number that results from the step, your your real hourly wage, will become a vital ingredient in transforming your relationship with money. Um, And the book offers a bunch of examples of the cost and hours we spend that are directly 
related to having a job. So for example, if you're like, I make great money. I make $3,000 a week. But then you look at all of this and you go, oh, wow, my job is actually taking up 100 hours a week. And when I deduct all the things, turns out I'm making $12 an an hour. hour. Yeah. Yeah. If you're freelance, you figure this out pretty quickly, especially if you travel for work freelance like I I did. You're like, I'm making this much money. But then you're like, oh, I actually have to take a day on either side to travel. So I'm making a third of that a day. Exactly. And you might find like – Oh, okay, so my job is $15 an hour, but I don't have to commute, and I can sit here in my office, and you know what? I don't need to get ready because it's a podcast and no I'm one in has my to pajamas, see me. Right. Yeah, and then you go, well, my real hourly wage is $12 an hour, so right. you might find um, – and it actually seems empowering because when what she says is like – if you hate your job and you're that stressed, but you're like, it's making me all this money, et cetera, you now have the power to go like, maybe I actually could work part time. It's giving and you still empirical net, data. Yes. And still net the same. So that's why she's talking about freeing you from this need to like work constantly for mm-hmm. money because you want an accurate Yeah, picture. she's giving you data. That's great. Right. So, um, so she breaks down a whole bunch of categories and ways that you can calculate this, like traveling to and from work, annual cost of clothing, yada, yada, yada. So the second part of this step is keep track of every cent that comes into or out of your life. She says this is the best way to become conscious of how much money actually comes in and goes out of your life as opposed to how much you think comes and goes because sure. we're not we good. over and underestimate especially with credit cards and apple pay and like mm-hmm. we never actually physically hold the money so again this is all just like a comprehensive taking stock what's my actual situation and some people are really liberated because they're like oh my god i am spending in line with my values and this is great and other people are like i had no idea yeah. that i was doing this so i really like this part also find your wallet you, oh i forgot about <laughs> it and now i'm sad i'm gonna give you a tile i have a tile in my wallet Oh, please. I'd love it. Yeah. I'd love it. Um, One of the keys to success in this program and in life, she says, is a shift in attitude from one of laxity and leeway to one of accuracy, precision, and impeccability. Right? Can you say that sentence again? Because you said it beautifully. (laughs) One of the keys to success in this program and in life is a shift in attitude from one of laxity and leeway to one of accuracy, precision, and impeccability. Laxity and leeway. Those are the names of my two dogs. That's funny. I was going to say that's like a new like fiber brand. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Laxity and leeway. Yes. Colon blow. Oh. Okay. Do you remember that one from us? No, it's the best commercial. <laughs> Step three, where is it all going? The monthly tabulation. So she emphasizes this program is not about budgeting. Great. It is about just seeing where things are coming and going. Right. It's not about assigning what should right, go. Right, or setting limits. It's just about getting a clear picture. Exactly. So she says budgets don't work because they deal with the symptoms and not the cause. Mm. So every month... You're going to create a table of all income and all expenses within categories generated by your own unique spending patterns. Great. She spends a lot of time in the book explaining why, like, while software, you know, budgeting software may give you some idea of what it is, here's why you need really nuanced categories. And she goes into it. I liked it. So you're going to balance your monthly income and outgoing totals. You'll convert dollars spent in each category to hours of life energy using your real hourly wage wage as computed in step two. So how? You just do simple arithmetic. A computer home accounting program may be useful, but a computer is not essential as both authors achieve financial independence without using computers. They didn't exist yet. That's right. So the why is that this monthly tabulation will be an accurate portrait of how you are actually living and provide a foundation for the rest of the program. So 
here's where it gets like principled living and taking stock. Um, Step four, three questions that will transform your life. You're going to go through your monthly tabulation and ask three questions. That's what I'm calling my period from now on. Thank my monthly tabulation. Um, I'm gonna. It's a flow chart. Thank you. <laughs> I sat back in my chair. And that's why we are friends. <laughs> it's it's my ultimate delight to make Lisa laugh because she's the funniest person I know. So I just feel like very fancy. Snort. Thank you. <laughs> okay, go through your monthly tabulation and ask three questions of each of your category totals expressed as hours of life energy and record your responses. Yes. Ask one. Did I receive fulfillment, satisfaction, and value in proportion to life energy spent? Yes. Two, is this expenditure of life energy in alignment with my values and life purpose? Yes. Three, how might this expenditure change if I didn't have to work for a living? Yes. Mark each category with an up arrow if yes, yes. a down arrow if no, no, or a zero if neutral. Zero. So it will give you this visual picture, oh. right? So you might be like, does she expect to do this? A couple months in a row or just one? Many. <gasps> like, ideally, many. many. Because I, the whole idea is that as you're getting an accurate picture, you will naturally align, right? It's just like get awareness and you will just sort of realize like, oh, okay, so I actually spent 10 hours of my life energy on this month's coffee, you know, and is that really how I want to spend, you know? So just... Just to kind of sum up here, yeah, she's come up with a methodology for converting the way you spend your dollars into uh, a quantifiable number of, let's say, your, uh, hours of life you have left on the planet. Exactly. And then yes. uh, wants you to dispassionately uh, uh, approach that. Yeah, and gain a true, accurate, self-awareness picture of how you are spending that life energy, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. To be fair, yeah, there is a part of me that doesn't want to look at every LaCroix can and go, this is a half hour of my life. <laughs> Girl, buy the off-brand if it's a half hour of your life. But what I'm saying is yeah. uh, there, there, uh, n there is no free lunch. This is The Economist yeah. in me. Yes. This is my dad and my yes. brother coming out. Yes. There is no free lunch, as she is pointing out, yeah. right? Um with that, mm -hmm. this methodology also has its side effect, which yeah. is that for a period of time, it might seem, you will not be able to move throughout life without thinking about yeah. how Everything. your life energy is being sucked e away. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And so it's going to be depressing and sad. But yeah. you also might go like, oh, man, if I were to buy a new car, that's such a huge chunk of, of my life energy. Do I really need that? Or can I just sit with my car now and and spend that life energy on things that really bring me fulfillment. But if you're going like, no cars are my life and my passion and I love them and you look or at that and you go, I'm so fulfilled. You could look at the amount know. of time and life energy you spend on um, the bus yes. or the subway yes. or, you know, lift mm -hmm. and see that it actually might make a, a reasonable conversion. That's exactly yeah. right. And then the whole idea is that you're going to be living you're going to feel more satisfaction and fulfillment knowing that you're conscious. Like everything you're doing is living in proportion to your values, your goals, 
the way you want to spend your time here on Earth. So I really mm. like this philosophy. What if I don't know? Um, uh, great. And so then you're doing it over a couple months because you'll you'll start to see trends. Is that her? Yeah, point? you'll start to great. see friend, trends and, and you'll start friends. and friends and you'll start to see how it changes over time. Great. So you can start to go like, oh man, I've got so many more pluses in the categories for this. Or if I've if I've still got minuses after six months, what's going on there? Right. So she's not saying like correct it. Does she's she give just, an estimate on how much time this will take? Um, and how much life energy this process takes? Well, uh, I think she does, but it's different for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. It's different for ex- some people have really simple lives. Some people like a freelancer. Some people are terrible at math. That's right. <laughs> and then you got to hire someone and spend your life energy like getting them to do this. So asking yourself month in, month out, whether you actually got fulfillment in proportion to your life energy spent in each subcategory awakens the natural sense of knowing when enough is enough. So you're just going to start to go like, oh, that was enough. Or like, wow, that was a lot of excess. You're just going to, this is the whole point of reaching your own sense of enough. So financial intelligence is knowing that if you spend your life energy on stuff that brings only passing fulfillment and doesn't support your values, you end up with less life. This step is not about budgeting, not about self-condemnation, and not about depriving yourself. It is about honoring and valuing that limited resource called your life energy. So step five of nine. Did you? Quick question. Yeah. Did you see the documentary, The Queen of Versailles? No. Oh, it's great. Is it? What's yeah. it about? It's about this couple. I want to say they're in Florida. Um, like the richest couple in America, maybe. And they have this huge house. Oh, I saw a preview for it. It's great. She was trying to build like Versailles in Florida or something, right? Yeah. And then it just got abandoned. Well, they, I mean, you know, the stock market. Oh, yeah. it, but it, it was about, it, it was about old money, new money. Right. The stuff buying yeah. happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's worth a watch. Well, it's a great documentary. I love that. And she, you know, they also talk about it at the beginning of the book, like why trying to fill a need and more and keeping up with the Joneses is so problematic because once you reach there, you will never, you'll always want yeah. more. Yeah. And even if you're like, oh my God, I've finally done it, then suddenly the Joneses are minimalists and that's what's cool. Yeah, you well, can if never you're, like if you're trying to fill an emotional need with a physical object, yeah. it's not going to work. Exactly. So I think the power of this program is in constantly going, Am I fulfilled? What's going on? How am I living my life? How am I feeling about the things I'm doing? Does like, she ever get to like how to address that? Or is she just setting the table so that you can go to therapy? <laughs> Thank you. Um, she she does and doesn't because it's different for every single person. So there's this sort of blanket philosophy that's supposed to these steps are supposed to be customized by you to figure out what that means. But she does get into frugality and strategies to to make income and break away from. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like if if you're acknowledging that I I'm buying this stuff and I realize it's sucking my life energy. She doesn't address, like, why are you buying this stuff and how to quit that? No. She just addresses the the sort of consumerism mentality at large of the Western world and why we've all been sucked into this and how we're surrounded by marketing ads that tell us we need stuff. And that if we just, like, really focus on ourselves and what we need and are constantly asking ourselves these introspective questions, that we can break that cycle. Oh, she says you don't need therapy. Okay. She does not say you don't need therapy, but well, she, well, she's I think saying, she's not going that deep. She's saying these nine steps help she's, you do it. She's saying you are going to gain awareness, and then you will be empowered to take action steps that you feel like taking. All right. Stop trying to put words in her mouth. Okay, step five, making life energy visible. Mm-hmm. So 
This is where you create a large wall chart plotting your total monthly income and total monthly expenses from your monthly tabulation. So each of these steps build off of each other. Mm -hmm. You put it where you will see it every day. Why, you're asking enthusiastically. It will show you the trend in your financial situation and will give you a sense of progress over time. And the transformation of your relationship with money will be obvious. You will see your expense line go down as your fulfillment goes up. The result of instinctive, automatic lowering of expenses in those categories you labeled with a minus. When you do this step the first month, you have a snapshot, a very revealing one, of your habits around money. But the real learning and the real fun comes as you plot the figures month by month, year by year. Your wall chart will take the two-dimensional world of your monthly tabulation and add the dynamic dimension of time. This bitch wants me to do this for more than 24 months? Yeah. It reminds us that- What trans- an ugly wall I have. Yeah. It's like, I just go into Lisa's. It's just a beautiful mind. You're just painting on your wall. <laughs> Gross. Like just one big- It's uh, a giant chart. graph chart. That's right. Nasty. It reminds us that by transforming our relationship with money takes time and patience. Impatience, denial, and greed are actually part of what is being transformed. So step six, valuing your life energy, Mm -hmm. minimizing spending. So Mm. here's where we start to get practical steps on reducing. Um, So you learn to define your true needs. And she's she's got all sorts of strategies in this chapter, like exhaustive strategies. Um, You learn to be conscious in your spending, Mm -hmm. master the techniques of wise purchasing. So you research value, quality, and durability. Mm -hmm. Like if if you're like, okay, I have to buy a car, you might go, okay, a Honda Civic is more reliable than like a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Or whatever. Um, And she really gets exhaustive about that. You are spending your most precious commodity, your life energy, and you only have a finite amount left. So she reminds us all throughout the book, like, the average person who's 40 has, like, 150,000 hours left on Earth. You're dying. There you go. Yep. So – she says quality of life often goes down as standard of living goes up. Like that's something she talks about in the consumerist cycle. The wealth we enjoy today is the result of centuries of frugality of most of our citizens. Frugality means we are able to enjoy what we have. Mm. If you have 10 dresses but still feel you have nothing to wear, you are probably a spendthrift. But if you have 10 dresses and you've enjoyed wearing every single one of them for years, you're frugal. Waste lies not in the number of possessions but in the failure to enjoy them. So this is a little life-changing magic of tidying up. Have only things in your life that bring you joy, right? Yeah, I mean, she's also just talking. I mean, there is just the law of diminishing returns, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, if you have 10 DVDs, you love them all. Mm-hmm. You, you, can, you can watch them all. Mm-hmm. If you have 20, it's harder to watch them all. If you have 200, you cannot watch them all. Or if you have 200 and you cycle through them and you love them and you love going to that shelf and pulling them out and you really do enjoy them, then there you go. But imagine that. I mean, that would require you to watch... A DVD, two, okay, listen, two out of three days. My sister and her fiance this year, as of today's date, have watched over 300 movies this year. That's great. But what I'm saying is if they own 300 movies, yeah. each movie that they add to their collection, they will enjoy less. I guess so. But she's not. she does not put a, a number on the number of possessions. No, but what yeah. I'm— Base, there, it, this is yes. just a law. Yeah, this it's is math. a law of nature. In Great. fact, so she's not wrong in that she's just pointing out. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So she includes so many examples of how to minimize spending in this chapter, including things like growing your own vegetables, learning skills so that you don't have to hire people to do things, et cetera, et cetera. And there's so many. So if you want to know, read that chapter. But the one thing I really disagreed with hardcore about this chapter is that she very casually mentioned dropping long-term care insurance to save money, which does not sound smart to me. It does not sound smart. Lisa's losing her mind. But she also acknowledges that everyone's approach will be different at the beginning of the book. So it's basically like, well, you might save a ton of money if you don't have long-term care insurance. But if you're growing your own vegetables and taking good care of yourself, you might not need it. And I was like, that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. I'm all about insurance. Dave Ramsey is all about insurance. There's if you no can afford it. correlation between growing your own vegetables and not getting hit by a bus. That's right. There you go. So I did not like that. She was just like, and maybe drop long-term care insurance. And I'm like, what? Um, well, she's probably just looking at the number, like the percentage. She of she's, yeah. she's on, She sounds like an actuary. Yeah. So we're now we're in step seven, valuing your life energy, maximizing income. Okay. Respect the life energy you are putting into your job. Money is simply something you trade your life energy for. Trade it with purpose and integrity for increased earnings. Our fulfillment as human beings lies not in our jobs, but in the whole picture of our lives, in our inner sense of what life is about, our connectedness with others, and our yearning for meaning and purpose. You may love your paid employment or you may hate it. It doesn't matter. But you don't want to recognize that the purpose of your paid employment is getting paid and your real work may be far bigger than this one job. There is nothing in your life that is more valuable than your time. So she she points out often, including in chart form, that we only have so many hours left in our lives, like I've said. So of these, for example, 150,000 hours we have left, if we spend eight hours each day working and eight hours sleeping, we have very few precious hours left to spend on this earth. Also, who only works eight hours? Okay. I know. So ask yourself, am I making a living or making a dying? Examine your purpose for paid employment. <laughs> I hate that. I know. So why? You only have X number of, of hours left in your life. Determine how you want to spend those remaining hours. Breaking the link between who you are and what you do for a living will free you to make more fulfilling choices. Um, so we're going to get into this a little bit more in depth in the next chapter. But the checklist of uh, think before you spend, which is also in this chapter, is don't shop, live within your means, take care of what you have, wear it out. Do it yourself if you can. Anticipate your needs. Research value, quality, durability, and multiple use. Get it for less, like wait for sales if you can. Buy used and follow the steps of this program. So if she graduated in 67, seven, mm -hmm. she was born during the war. Yeah, very prosperous. Or just time, short, yeah. shortly before the war. Uh. Um, so uh, these are, these are, and her parents were born or lived through the depression. Mm -hmm. So these are, this yeah. is, I understand this. Yeah. This is my grandmother. This yeah. is my. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So step eight, here's where the program gets interesting. So it's called Capital and the Crossover Point. By doing steps one through seven, you will move towards FI, financial independence. Feet. Step eight shows you how you can perhaps leave paid employment a lot sooner than you would have ever thought possible, right? So this is a big promise. What you should begin to see in your wall chart is a growing gap between income and expenses, and that is to say savings. Quick question. Does she ever address like family and having kids and that kind of stuff, or does this sound like for a single person? She... 
she implies that it relates to absolutely everybody, but it's like if you are like a single mother of five, like a widow or a widower, right? A single dad of five, it's like, well, your expenses aren't really ever going to go that down. You know, you're probably already living in a way that stretched. is super, yeah, super stretched. So she does not, no, she doesn't, she doesn't give specific caveats. Um, and does she have kids? Does it say? It didn't say. I got the sense that she didn't, but that's just my own assumption. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Um, so what you should begin to see in your wall chart is a growing gap between income and expenses, and that is to say savings. Yeah. Just here's yeah. here's my follow-up. Yep. Is because she never talks about your life energy being spent on the sustaining of another creature. Well, I think the whole philosophy is re-examine the way your whole world is set up because if you decide that you want to spend more time with your kids or your life energy that way, you can see how much you're spending on your job and your real hourly wage and see if you can like. Right, but when you're budgeting, like yeah. if I'm paying for my kids' orthodontia, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm putting my life energy into something that is not for me. Yeah. Do you know She's what I mean? She's not saying it's for you. She's saying what do you value? Are you putting life energy into things you value? So if you value your kids' teeth and well-being, great. Then that's bringing you fulfillment because you're taking good care of your kids. Do I that's value what I them? Say. Okay, great. Like, do I yeah. value them taking piano and ice skating and little league? Right. Right. Or do I or, want them to or, choose one? Yeah. Or they're so fucking happy with all three of those things. That's worth the life energy I'm putting into it. Or you know what? Susie fucking hates piano, and it's costing me ten hours of life energy a week. I'm gonna let it go. You know, so it's 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 just empowering a different way of thinking about it. Yeah, which I really like. Um, So before financial independent thinking takes over, a quote unquote normal person might regard those savings as earmarked for a splurge. But FI thinking sees those savings in a different light. FI thinking calls that gap capital. Capital is money that makes more money. It keeps working for you and produces an income as surely as your job produces income. You can invest it. Yep. When you put capital in an interest-bearing instrument, it is an investment. An investment is the conversion of capital into some form of wealth other than cash with the expectation of deriving income. Mm The income you receive from your capital is of a different nature than your job income. It comes in whether or not you go to work. Mm -hmm. Instead of simply lumping it in with your total monthly income, you will be entering it separately on your wall chart. She walks you, I know, this fucking chart. She walks you through a formula to do this. And at some point in the future, this line will cross over the total monthly expenses line. Right. And this is called the crossover point. So at the crossover point, you will be financially independent. The monthly income from your investment capital will be equal to your actual monthly expenses. Sure. That's when you will know that you have enough. Right. Assuming that your expenses hold equal. Exactly. Tomorrow you could be hit by a bus. She is not saying like a catastrophic event occurs, et cetera. This is assuming a lot of sort of stability, honestly. Right. 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 So she says, at this point, your options will be wide open and you can celebrate. And as you're plotting this wall chart and you're seeing these lines get closer to each other, you can predict when your crossover point will be. Could be 20 years from now. Sure. Could be five years from now. It just depends Depending on Depending on how much capital you have to invest and what kind of investments you're exactly, able to make. Exactly. So step nine gets into this, managing your finances. So this is the final step of this nine-step program. 
You're welcome. That was counting. Thank you. The final step to financial independence. Become knowledgeable and sophisticated about long-term income-producing investments. Invest your capital in such a way as to provide an absolutely safe income sufficient to meet your basic needs for the rest of your life. And what does she recommend? Uh, I'll tell you. Whether we are defining financial independence as being out of debt with enough savings to withstand economic downturns or as a full-fledged early retirement that makes it possible to devote yourself full-time to whatever is most meaningful to you, the following criteria developed by Joe Dominguez apply to whatever you do with your capital, though each person will weigh each criteria differently. Sure. I'm only going to share a few examples of Joe's criteria because there's a lot. And let's remember, Joe's investment were in bonds that returned at 15%, which, yes, which, which we, is higher which, than any stock market Which returning. she addresses. Okay, and bonds now are like 2.5%. I mean, it's yeah. like nothing. So, so number one, your capital must produce income. Sure. Two, your cap and these are not all the steps. These are just the ones I'm listing. Two, your capital must be in totally liquid investment. You must be able to convert it into cash at a moment's notice to handle emergencies. Okay, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Your capital must not be diminished at the time of investment by unnecessary commissions or other expenses. Okay, so no real estate. No. Right. Or like fee like fee managed accounts kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. You're but Again, these are Joe's criteria. This isn't necessarily just pick and choose, right? Your income must be payable to you in cash at regular intervals. The investment must produce this regular fixed known income without any further involvement or expense on your part, right? So like so an dividends. Annuity? Like what, what is Like this? dividends from stocks or things like that. But you can't predict dividends. No, I guess you can't. It must – no, but it's it, – it must produce – Oh, yeah, you're right. Regular you can't predict dividends, yeah, 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 yeah. but you could convert them. You could sell them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Ramsey also talks about this in the Total Money Makeover. He's like, listen, the last 60 years, the S&P has had a 12% return. So you know, based on 60-year averages, that if you have a million dollars in the bank and you're living off of 12% that income minus 4% for inflation and taxes, that you're going to have $80,000 a year, right? That 8% of $1 million after we adjust for those things. So- a lot of people talk about provided there's no crash. exactly exactly and that year you just but since you can't predict it, I guess you kind of just have to go like, well, this is the average is what I'm going to plan for and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he says it and must, you have savings. Yeah, <laughs> he says it also must not require maintenance, management, geographic presence, presence or attention due to acts of God. So, like, if you own, like, a fleet of sailboats as your investment, well, that, that's probably yeah, not right. Yeah. No, oh, God, please don't. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so what, what are those things? Okay. So, how? Empower yourself to make your own investment decisions by narrowing the focus to the safest, non-speculative, long-duration fixed income securities, such as U.S. Treasury bond and U.S. government agency bonds or other conservative investments. I mean, you can convert bonds right away. They're just not worth as much when, right, they're, not, right. when they're not mature. Right. So... Temper the prevailing irrational fears about inflation with clear thinking and increased consciousness. So here's my note. This part of the book actually got a ton of flack, right, when it was first published or in 1992 when it was first published. Because when Joe Dominguez originally devised the program, the rates on bonds were at an exceptional 15 percent. That's unheard of. So it was like that was a fucking great investment. That is high. That's 3 percent higher than the S&P average for the last 60 years. Yeah. So the original book basically told its readers to put everything in bonds. So definitely read the updated version as of 2018 because Vicky spends like a full 15 minutes being like, 
Here's why he was saying that. Here's why it doesn't work anymore. Bonds can still be a, an important part of a diversified portfolio yeah, to minimize your age. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. So step nine in the updated and revised edition for the 21st century expands the criteria for investing to include um, very conservative and balanced use of mutual funds, sure. real estate. But depending, that's not liquid. Right. But it, when you're in your wealth building stage, right? So there's the wealth building stage and then there's like living off of that. Yeah. Except that they've defined this as yeah. liquid and real estate is not so liquid. Here, okay. So here's here's the example she gives. She and like four other people bought a huge house in Seattle uh-huh. and uh, and it was for a, a low payment. Like sure, they got it at sure. a bargain, whatever. They rented out the three other rooms. So not only did they live rent free, but they had this income from the other tenants constantly and consistently. Wait, did they all live in one room? <laughs> no, no, no. It was a seven bedroom house. Okay. Right. <laughs> Thank you. In my mind, it was a. You said the three other rooms, so in my mind, it was a four. Room I said house. she and four people. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know sorry, why, sorry, but sorry. I was like, well, that's frugal. Hilarious. So, so that's how she was saying. But of course, as we know, like in Los Angeles, it's like you want to buy a, a seven bedroom house. That's going to be four million dollars. So it's not a minimum. Yeah. So again, this was in a different world when they did this, but it's an example of like that's that is liquid income. It is technically safe, barring the Cascadia fault earthquake that we're all waiting for. That's right. Um. And you know what it is every single month, and you're living rent free. So you've just reduced your expenses. So that is an exceptional okay. example, I, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's real estate. Um, um, so she says, though Joe's ultra original ultra conservative approach is still valid with bonds, there's now a lot better ways because those interest rates are not high. Great. Indeed, people who followed uh, Joe's bonds, though, uh, approach were unaffected in large part by the last recession. Sure. So that's interesting. So, um, but she also said that anytime somebody became financially independent and let them know about it, Joe would give them a Russian bond as a gift, and it was um, an example of it was it was from 1917, uh, which was the day all of those bonds were rendered completely useless and irrelevant, just to remind people. No investment is ever 100% a sure thing. So I really liked that caveat. Um, But it's basically like if you want a shot at this, you've got to take this risk. But here are the safest ways to do that, according to Joe and Vicky. So you can set up a financial plan using three pillars, capital, cushion, and cash, which is C-A-C-H-E. So capital is the income-producing core of your financial independence. Cushion, enough ready cash earning bank interest to cover six months of expenses. Mm-hmm. Minimum three, ideally six. This is what everybody emergency calls the emergency fund. fund. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cash, the surplus funds resulting from your continued practice of the nine steps. They may be used to finance your service work. Uh, A lot of this is she talks about this integrated life Mm -hmm. of most people get fulfillment from service Mm -hmm. and volunteering. And so she talks about how once you're financially independent, you can dive full time into like community service or volunteering. Or Or your second career, like once you've retired. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or the thing you've always wanted to do, music, poetry, whatever. Mm -hmm. So... um, yeah, so your cash may be used to finance your service work, reinvested to produce an endowment fund, used to replace high-cost items, used to compensate for occasional inroads of infl- of inflation, given away, etc. So why? She says there is more to life than nine to five. So in conclusion, 
You are well on your way to taking back the power you have given over to money and to money experts. You are ready to become a conscientious, loving, and knowledgeable steward of your own life energy. Our greatest hope is that you will apply these steps to your own finances and apply your life energy to the challenges that face our species and our planet. They wish us great success. I've got the power! It's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of heavy. Okay, so that's the broadest overview of an 11-hour and 21-minute audiobook of your money or your life. Misty. Yeah. I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. And if you want to read more, because I cannot cover everything in the book, and I focus on the practicality, uh, the practical steps. Lisa's putting on her sunglasses slow and cool. Um but if you want to hear a lot more of the philosophy behind I it, I have so much to tell book. you. Uh, Misty, yes. can I ask you some questions? Yes. Misty, who is this book perfect for? This book is perfect for somebody who is like, man, I have a bad shopping habit, but I don't know how to break it. Or like, I've got all this stuff. Why do I have all this stuff? Or or just like anybody who's like, I, I don't know. I don't have enough money. Who can care? Like, just... Anybody who wants a more accurate picture and who wants to feel empowered. Great. Yeah. Who is this book terrible for? People who do not want to do some really daunting, excruciating tabulations and Lisa Linky. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what did this author and authors get right? Um, I personally love thinking about the environmental impact of purchases. I do like that. And this principled living approach. Because mm-hmm. anybody who's like, you just need to budget or you're doing it wrong or Dave Ramsey, like you're just not saving enough and being irresponsible. And it's like, well, no, health insurance premiums have quadrupled in the last 10 years. You know, I guess I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. So I, I love that it's going, it's not like, it's not telling you here's what you're doing wrong. It's going, hey, get in touch with your principles and you might be able to find more fulfillment. That makes sense. I think that's really cool. What do you think they got wrong? I think not enough caveats. I think I think um, not being intersectional like we talked about at the top. But honestly, the book doesn't go – the book gets deep in principles and philosophy and theory. But it does not go super deep in specifics because it's supposed to be customized yeah, that's smart. for each person. Misty, you do such a good job critiquing books. Do I, though? I feel like I'm just like, no, let's give them a shot. But no, you have to give somebody a shot to critique them. Okay. I just shoot them down. Great. Great. Um, Well, can I tell you something I really loved about the book? I mean, yeah. That we didn't get into? Yeah. So there's one chapter where she talks about the ABCs of wealth, which are outside of money. ABC. Easy as one, two, three. Abilities, belonging, and community. (laughs) Thank you. So the ABCs of wealth, abilities, belonging, and community. So basically, um, wealth is not just about how much money you have. It's about this wider integrated life as a whole. So when you've got a lot of abilities because you're not hiring out people to do things, you're learning how to do things for yourself, you make yourself more valuable. And if you help Gina retile her bathroom, then when you're sick, she might bring you soup. And it's about like building this community through your abilities. Um, Damn, bo- Gina. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really cool because she talks about like – Here's where real, real richness in your life comes in is when you are able to give back to your community. You're able to be a part of it and feel valued and they value you. So I really love that. And that's why I would encourage people to pick up this book and really read about the philosophies. And you do love community. 
It's my pillar. It's I know. my cornerstone. Um, Misty, yeah. I know what I think this book is, but do you? where would you say this falls on the scale of practical Pat to woo-woo? Woo-woo, Wanda. Woo, yeah, what is a... Um, a w, what's a W name that's gender neutral? neutral. Woo-woo. I haven't thought of it yet. Pract- we'll, we'll just do practical pad to woo-woo, Wanda. Great. Um, I actually think it's halfway. I thought so, too. Yes, because it's like, here's a whole philosophy about thinking about it. life and your life energy. And you know what I love about it? It wasn't like, if you're not bringing enough money into your life, you're thinking the wrong thought. She literally is just going, hey, so you're on average bringing in this amount. This is your situation. Is that in line with what you want to do? Take a look. Great. Yeah. Maybe it is. Wow, did I just sum up the entire book in like Sorry, guys. <laughs> one sentence? And I know I normally, we we normally assign homework assignments from the this book, but all of these steps are like, calculate all of the fucking money you've ever made in your life. Take stock of everything in your home. I'm not going to do that. You know, if you were going to tell me to put a, a chart up on my wall, yeah. I was going to punch you. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not assigning you homework this Thank week. Given you, everything because I hate a finance yeah. book. Yeah, uh, 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 uh. but I invite everybody. You know, for the next day, just as you're buying things or as you feel the need to do that, just ask yourself: Is this purchase bringing me fulfillment? That's it. Yeah. Right? You don't have to report back. I just am like, here, let's bring this awareness. That's so great. So that is your money or your life by Vicky Robin and Joe Dominguez. Um, and if you if you want to learn more, um, you can visit yourmoneyoryourlife.com and vickyrobin.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-R-O-B-I-N dot com. And of course, these will always be in the show notes. These, and links to the books will always be in the show notes. And um, I want to know if anybody has tried this, yeah. how it went for you. Write to us, tell us, and I'll keep you all abreast of how I'm incorporating all of these finance books oh boy. into my own life. I'll tell you, I'm not keeping them at all. Listen, and with that, may your principle-centered living be abundant. abundant. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at Podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.